our Sunday school lesson from this morning because there were some areas I did not get to that I really wanted to do before uh, being gone for a week and didn't want to wait two weeks for us to get back to it. Uh, we find in the book of Job some wonderful lessons being taught. Uh, we talked about the fact that sometimes there are trials that come our way that are God's chastening. Sometimes there are trials that come for our testing and strengthening. Sometimes God is using them to teach us some things. And such is the case with Job. And uh, we find in this book that uh, there certainly is great suffering. And uh, there are three times that Job enters into debate. In chapters 3 through chapter 34, 35, somewhere in that range, we have three different cycles of Job debating his friends and uh, his wife, even in some cases, regarding uh, what God is doing. And um, there, are, there are some questions that, uh, that Job has. And uh, he doesn't understand why God is allowing some of these things to come his way. And some of the questions are this. Number one, uh, does God not hear me? This was something Job questioned. In uh, chapter number 13 and verse 3, uh, in chapter 19 and verse 7, in chapter 23, verses 3 to 5, and in chapter 39, verse 20, Job makes the question or, or asks the question, uh, God, do you not hear me? Uh, have you ever been there before? you ever questioned, Lord, are you not listening? Are you not hearing? We understand God hears everything. God is aware. In fact, the Bible says a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without God knowing it. <coughs> so God knows. He hears everything. What Job was saying here is not that, you know, are you not able to hear, but are you not listening to me? Are you not taking heed to my trial, to my trouble? And uh, Job asked this question of God. A second question that he asks is, is God punishing me? He does this in chapter 6 and verse 4, chapter 7 and verse 20, and chapter 9 and verse number 17. He's, he's wondering, Lord, is this your chastening? By the way, I think that ought to be a question we ask sometimes when trials come our way in life. Because it's either the fact that God is, is testing us and trying us and building our faith and teaching us some things, or... Uh, we're away from the Lord, and He's trying to bring us back. And, it, and we don't want to mistake the one for the other. Uh, if we are in, in a backslidden condition and God is bringing chastening upon us, we certainly do not want to just assume He's testing our faith and keep right on going on. So I think it's a valid question that Job asks here, and I think uh, that there's a time where we can say, Lord, I, I just want to make sure, is this something that you're testing me on, or are you punishing me for something? By the way, if you're wondering if He's punishing you for something, if there is something He's punishing you for, it will become very evident at that point. If you're willing for God to show it to you, then He will make it very apparent. You won't have to sit there scratching your head for very long. And usually, usually, when it's His chastening, we already know. We already know that there's something we're, we're, we're not right with and, and at odds with God. The third question he's, he's asked, He asked God is, uh, are you allowing the wicked to prosper? Here I am, a faithful man, and uh, yet I look around me, I see the wicked prospering. Uh, by the way, the psalmist had that same problem, didn't he? Uh, he looked around and he said, I, I, was, I was almost to the point of discouragement. My feet had well nigh slipped. I couldn't understand why the wicked were prospering. And he said, but then I understood the end of their ways. 
And um, so Job had that question in chapter 21 and verse number 7. So there's three questions that, that throughout the book Job has. He begins the trial with great faith. One of the key verses uh, that we find <coughs> excuse me, is in chapter number 13. Hold your place in Job 38. We're going to be right back to it. But let's look at Job 13 for a minute. And uh, let's look in verse number 15. Job 13 and verse number 15. Early on in Job's trial, the attitude that he has is, is found here. As he says in verse number 15 of chapter 13, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I what? Trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. And so he was very confident, he was very stable in his faith, that even though there was a trial that came his way, uh, even if God were to slay him, the Bible says, Yet uh, will I trust him. A wonderful truth that is found, probably the broad truth to be found in the book of Job is this. That even though we do not understand what God is always doing, we can always trust what God is doing. Though we may not always understand what God is doing, we can always trust what God is doing. Nothing takes God by surprise. Uh, another verse I want us to look at is, is found in chapter number 37, and we're going to move on here in just a moment. Chapter number 37, I want us to look at this in verse number 23. Uh, Job is, is one of the few uh, writers in history, or in the, in the Old Testament, that uses uh, the Hebrew name, and, and the English pronunciation of it is Shaddai, uh, there's not a, it's, that's not the way it's actually pronounced in Hebrews. Hebrew doesn't have the vowel sounds. But the best way we know how to pronounce the spelling of it is Shaddai. And uh, it's translated the Almighty in our King James Bibles. This, this title is only used, this name of God is only used 17 other times in our entire Bible. And it's a very special name. It's a name of absolute reverence and recognition that God is the Supreme Almighty One. Um, and what a tremendous thought it is. As we get to verse number 23, we see the usage of this. When he says, Touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment, and in plenty of justice He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear Him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. And Job is speaking here of uh, the sovereignty of God in, in certain areas. And we spent some time this morning dealing with this subject of uh, the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man. I am not a Calvinist. I do not believe that man is predetermined in anything, but that he has free will. But I also understand and recognize from Scripture that there is a sovereign plan of God that will be accomplished. Uh, we know that there will come a rapture. We know that there will be a tribulation period. We know that there will be the judgment of those that reject Him. We know that there will be eternal punishment in hell. We know that there will be, uh, for those that uh, choose not to accept Him as their, or trust Him as their Savior, we know that there will be uh, eternal, eternal peace and uh, fellowship with God for those that have put their trust in Him uh, for eternity. And so we know that this plan that has been established since the foundation of the earth, since the beginning of time uh, to the end of time, God has a plan that is sovereign that he is not answerable to any other one. He has no authority over him that he answers to. This is his plan and his alone. Uh, it follows his laws. There are times when in prophecy he gives very specific dates, very specific times. Those are sovereign things of his will. They are not changeable. 
no matter what the free will of man does in the, in the interim of that, it is not changeable in those areas. Now, that being said, God gives every man a free will within the sovereign plan that he has throughout time. Man has the free will to either choose God or to reject God. Man has a way of affecting the history that takes place, uh, and we bear oftentimes the consequences of our choices and our decisions based on our free will. It may not be what God desires for us, but because of our free will, we've chosen it, and so we pay the consequences of it. So I do not look at the sovereignty of God and the free will of man as conflicting ideas. I see them as um, uh, coordinating ideas and things that work well together within the sovereignty of his plan Man has free will, and we understand that. Again, we're not predetermined, some to be saved and some to be not saved. We're not predetermined that uh, uh, you're going to leave here today and uh, you, know, you stopped by the police and get a speeding ticket. That wasn't predetermined. That was your own free will choice. Uh, that wasn't God's sovereignty at work in that case. But that does not affect His sovereign plan, if you will, for the, time, the eternity of time. So keep that in mind, because what we find throughout the Bible, or throughout the book of Job, is the sovereignty of God. God does these things, and Job doesn't need to know why. In fact, in these key verses, we find in verse number 23, touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment, and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict men do therefore fear Him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. And uh, this, this is a, a thing that God does not give an answer to anyone. I looked up in the Webster's 1828, the word sovereign, because again, we don't find that word in Scripture, and yet it deals with uh, the position of God quite often. And uh, in dealing with the sovereignty of God, the Webster's 1828 dictionary says this, uh, supreme in power, possessing supreme dominion, um, a sovereign ruler of the universe. He's the one that sets the laws. No one is over God. He has no authority to answer to. He's not subject to anyone. Uh, he's the supreme and superior to all others. He's the chief. Uh, he's the sovereign uh, good of all who love and obey Him. Um, he's superior to all others, predominant, effectual, uh, as a sovereign remedy. And uh, again, just the idea that He is self-sufficient. He answers to no one. He is in need of anyone. He's not in need of anyone. Um, and He answers to no one. And Job questions God. How is it that oftentimes we get the arrogance about us that we have the right to question God? As if He doesn't know what He's doing. As if He's made some mistake. Do we understand the arrogance of this? Now, I think it's okay to ask God, Lord, what are you trying to teach me from this? Uh, is this because of my sin or is this because of my testing? I think those are okay questions to ask, but when we're trying to ask what uh, the, 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 uh, the, the reasons behind God's plan, His sovereign plan, those are for Him to determine in Him alone. We have no position in that. Look with me in chapter 38. Because Job asks this question uh, about these things, he, he was wondering about uh, um, who, shall, who shall be able to do these things and, and question God. And he asks God why these things are happening to him. And notice in verse 38, the Bible says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And notice God's answer. He says, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, Job, who do you think you are? 
Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He's asking Job, where were you when all these things happened? Or who shut up the sea with the door with doors when it break forth as if it had issues out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it. And break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thy profound waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place? Job, have you, have you been able to do these things? Where were you at? Do you have power over this stuff? That's what he's asking. Verse 13, and That it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arms shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare it, thou knowest it all, if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to be bound thereof. And that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By the way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth, who have divided a water course for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. I am not what I would consider to be a green thumb in any sense of the word. I've tried to grow things over the years. They They don't do well. Isn't it amazing? You can go to places where man hasn't even set foot, and it is thriving and flourishing. God asked Job, were you there? Did you do that? Do we see where God's going with this? He's kind of trying to put Job in his place. And he says this, Hath rain a father, or who hath begotten the drops of dew, out of whose womb came the ice, and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influence of uh, uh, Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Speaking here of signs in the heavens. Job, do you control those? That's what he's asking. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of water may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings, that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom, or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness, and the clods cleave fast together, wilt uh, wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion, or fill the appetite of the young lions, when when they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait? 
Who provideth for the raven his food? And when his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. In all of this, he speaks of nature. And how even without man's interference, nature knows what to do. There is an ingrained knowledge in them. Isn't it amazing? My son and I have a little bird that made a nest in the wreath on our front door. If you're wondering why I had straps around my front doors to keep people from walking up there. They hatched the other day. This mama bird sits in that nest all day long unless I walk up to the front door. Who taught her how to do that? I looked at the nest that she built before she laid her eggs. Perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. Perfectly round. It's made with a bunch of sharp sticks, and yet nothing on the inside was going to poke those little babies. Who taught her how to do that? This is what God's asking Job. He talks about the the lightning having a place to go. He talks about uh, the dwelling place of darkness, the house thereof. Have you entered into those places? Do you know where they're at? talks about the rain and the cycle of rain. Isn't it amazing that God created nature and it was self-sufficient even before He created man? He put man on the earth to have rule over nature and to be able to subdue it and to use it. But God keeps all of that in balance. I'm not going to take the time to read all of this, but you go ahead and read chapter 39 and 40 and 41 as God continues to ask Job, And he says, I'm going to put you to it. He said, you're asking me questions without the right knowledge. Look in verse number four, chapter number 40. I'll read a few verses. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? I mean, this is, this is quite, a, quite a, 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 an accusation to Job. Though you're contending with the Almighty. You, you dare to instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord. Notice what Job's answer is. Behold, I am vile. What shall, what shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. And finally, Job realizes his problem, doesn't he? He realizes that God can do what God wants to do. And Job doesn't have to understand it. By the way, God can do what He wants to do, and you and I don't need to understand it. All He asks us to do is to trust it. Notice what He says in verse number 5, Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. In other words, Lord, I made this mistake once. In fact, I made it twice. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you know what God does? He doesn't end it there. Look what He says. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man, I will defend of thee, and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like Him? And he begins to talk about himself. He said, listen, Job, I, I mean, there is none like me. How dare you question me? How dare you come and try to instruct me? In verse number four, chapter number 41, he says, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? This was a, a water type of a dinosaur, I think, in that day, as best we can tell from Scripture. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord, which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose, 
or bore his jaw through with the thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Wilt thou take him for a servant forever? And over and over and over again, God asks one question after another of Job that Job cannot answer. Verse chapter number 42, notice this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden of thee from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself, and notice this, and repent in dust and ashes. In chapter 1, God is talking with Satan. He says, Hast thou considered my servant Job? A just man, he's an upright man. He's righteous. He escheweth evil. God puts, or allows Satan to put Job to the test. And Job, who begins as a man of faith, begins to question God. Can I encourage us in this? No matter how strong you think your faith is, oftentimes we have the arrogance to question God. God, what are you doing? Can we get to the place that Job did and say, Lord, the truth is I can't answer you. I just need to trust you. The Bible says here that Job repented. And not only did he repent, it says they repented in dust and ashes. Job was broken over this. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept. What an amazing God. The friends that had come to Job and told him to curse God and had questioned God, God said, you didn't speak well of me. He said, you know what? Job spoke well of me. You offer a sacrifice and ask Job to pray for you. And I'll show mercy for Job's sake. That's what he says. As he says in verse number 8, Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and so far the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. There came, uh, then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all that had been of his acquaintance before. And did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him. Over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him, every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had fourteen thousand sheep, 
6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and the second name Kizia, and the name of the third Karen Habuk. And in all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations so Job died being an old man, uh, being old and full of days. Job learned that God is sovereign in his ways. You say, well, what about the free will of man, Pastor? God gives us free will, but it does not affect his sovereign plan. God allows us to make choices, and a lot of times we reap the results of those choices, whether they're good or bad. But it does not affect his sovereign plan. When things are not going the way they should in our life, when we go through trials, and I'm talking about severe trials, things to the level like Job is going through, I think there ought to be a question, Lord, are you chastening or are you testing? But at the end of the day, when we're applying ourselves to that thought and that process, We do not have to understand God's ways. We just simply have to trust Him. He is always good. And He is always right. And no matter what His will is, we can trust it. It will always be in our best interest. And it will be for our good. And it will be for His glory. And uh, I know there are times I've had some of those questions like Job. Lord, do you even hear me? I've questioned before, Lord, uh, why do the righteous prevail? Why are they why are they prospering? I've had some of those questions before. Uh, may we learn to just trust Him. Just trust Him. We don't have to understand it all. All right. So I hope that'll be a help to us. And I know we went a few minutes over, but we had a little business to take care of today as well. So let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, uh, the truth is, as we begin to read those final chapters in Job, we begin to understand Your omniscience, Your omnipotence, Your almightiness. We understand the, the absolute sovereignty of Your plan for all time.